Good morning and welcome back to this episode of the Story of Grace. Uh, today we'd like to look at the results of the fall continued uh, up to the flood. Uh, there's so much depth here and I don't want to rush through it too much, but I want to point out some things you may not have seen before. In Genesis chapter 6, it says that this, the uh, sons of God, the, the, uh, the children of Adam began to multiply on the earth. They had daughters. And the very next verse says, The sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair, and they took of them all that they chose. Now, there's been a lot of speculation on this verse, why Moses would be talking about this. Um, some of the ancient Jewish rabbis would talk about uh, the Nephilim and a race of angels with men and women. And it gets very messy. I think it's a lot simpler than that. If you look at the text itself and compare it to the other writings of Moses and what he's trying to say here as he's moving this account along. He's using this language deliberately, not to obscure, but to point out something very important. Let's go back again to the creation of all things, men and women. Of course, in Genesis chapter 1, we see that God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. The Spirit of God was moving upon the face of the water. So here's the Spirit of God hovering, moving over the face of the water. And then the rest of Genesis chapter 1, he's bringing uh, his separation. He's dividing waters from the dry land. He's dividing uh, day from night. He's dividing the earth from the, the sea, uh, the waters from the dry land, and so forth. And through the work of the Spirit of God and through the work of the Word of God, here's the triune God bringing order out of the chaos, out of this primordial chaos that God created. It's not eternal. God created, and God is bringing order out of it. And then he creates man out of the dust of the ground, out in his own image, out of the dust of the ground. And then he creates woman from the side of man uh, to be a suitable, fitting companion for him. We've talked about this before. But here is this perfect harmony and fellowship and mutual love and respect and honor with two image bearers of God. Going back to Genesis 1.27, let's create man in our own image and let them have dominion. They together are to preserve, uh, to be a picture of something beautiful, a picture of the end of all creation, where God and his church live in perfect fellowship and harmony. So we have man and then woman uh, who is created from his side to elevate him and to point him forward to this wonderful, perfect union and picture of the church, which is still to come. This revelation is still going to happen. But then the fall of man took place. Skipping through this, we see something very interesting in, in how it's describing the woman as she's viewing the tree. She looks at the tree, and it says she saw the tree, that it was good, and she took. And then there's other words in there. She ate, blah, blah, blah. But she saw it was good, and she took. It was contrary to God's law, contrary to God's decree. Um, it was trying to take something for herself that she should not have. She was deceived, whereas Adam went in with both of his eyes open. Um, and the fall came into the world because of Adam's 
sin. Now we jump forward. Now we have the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent have been uh, identified here. We have uh, Cain and Abel. Abel offering his sacrifice by faith. Uh, Cain living according to the flesh, which we brought up in a previous episode. And we see all of creation continue to decline. Instead of being orderly, this perfect harmony and peace between God and man, between man and wife, between uh, uh, man and creation, between man and himself. Now we see death and misery and chaos described in Genesis 6 as God saying, my spirit will, will not always strive with man. This is now warfare that's been brought in. And using all of that language, very deliberately, Moses echoes in chapter 6, verse 2, the exact same temptation of Eve and how this fall is described from the perspective of Eve. Just as Eve saw the fruit, that it was good, and she took, so now the sons of God saw the daughters of men that they were good. The King James translates that fair, and they took all that they chose. Now we see a glimpse, rather than some fantastical argument of angels and giants and whatever other nonsense has been filled up with this verse, we see something very, very common to the fallen world. The sons of God, men who were created in God's image, men who were created to reflect the beauty of God, and the daughters of men created to reflect the beauties of the church, yes, fully fully image bearers of God. Genesis 1 makes that very clear. That's not the point here. The point here is, here is the sons of God and the daughters of men who are supposed to be a beautiful picture together of Christ and his church. Instead now is the fulfillment of Genesis 3.16. He will rule over you. Now the woman has devolved to nothing more than an object a piece of pretty fruit on the tree. Just as the woman saw that the fruit was beautiful and took it and ate it, so the men see the women. They're beautiful. They take and they devour and destroy. In this one phrase, God sums up all the evils that are in the world at the time of the flood. He did not restrain evil at that time. It reached its pinnacle. It reached its perfection. It reached its end in absolute chaos. No longer was the beautiful picture of marriage and sexuality the way it was supposed to be. Instead, it was a warfare with the strong devouring and consuming the weak until God says, my spirit's not going to strive with this forever. He's got 120 years. In 120 years, God said, the floodwaters will come and clean this all away. Let's talk very briefly about the flood, and we'll talk about Noah next week. But talking very briefly about the flood, water is an interesting thing. Yesterday, I took a shower in the morning. If you know me, you know how much I love the showers. Um, I enjoy the shower. I also, on the same day, was outside with a power washer scrubbing clean the mud and dirt on my back porch. 
these two uses of water both achieved the same end. They cleansed. But the power that they used in doing it and the method they used in doing it were totally different. And so water we see throughout scripture, a picture of God's cleansing, and thus it's called baptism so often in scripture. But this cleansing of baptism, of the waters of baptism, pointing to our cleansing, is either the overwhelming destructive flood of a river, or it's the gentle flowing pools. Isaiah 8 makes a lot of this. When Isaiah talks about, uh, Isaiah had continually preached to the nation of Israel at the time uh, that they were forsaking the God of living water, they were forsaking the God of refreshing, cool water and the call of the gospel, the, the pool of, and Isaiah uses the example of the pool of Siloam. You've rejected the cool, cleansing waters of the pool of Siloam, which is a pool uh, by the Temple Mount. Instead, God is now going to bring you the cleansing of the rivers of Assyria. And the Assyrian army will come in and cleanse, much like a power washer cleanses the deck. This is far different. But the cleansing will happen. God will cleanse his earth. This is imagery that's far beyond anything I can exhaust in this. I just want to whet your appetite for something beautiful. This imagery of water cleansing. There's another imagery involved with water, and that's order out of chaos. We talked about the Spirit of God bringing order out of the chaos of water, the abyss, the depths of the sea. He forms it all together into a habitable place for men and women to raise their families, to grow their crops, to live at peace. But because of sin, war entered. And now the order, since man has morally refused and rejected the order and the peace of the home and instead began to take and consume all that they desired, God will now bring the chaos of the flood. He will cleanse the earth. This is the imagery why God, Peter in his epistle compares the, the ark and Noah and the floodwaters to the waters of baptism. The water that covered the earth, did two things. It lifted the ark above the chaos. It saved Noah, but it also brought destruction everywhere else, the waters of God's wrath that covered the earth. There's no division in God. God will cleanse his earth. As we look forward, of course, to the days of Jesus Christ, Peter told Jesus at one point, I will go with you wherever you go. I'll never forsake you. And Jesus said, are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm about to be baptized with? He referred to his coming passion and death as a baptism. The waters of the baptism of the flood were poured out upon Jesus Christ. The Assyrian river of God's wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ so that the fountain would be open for us to wash in the gentle waters of the pool of Siloam. That's the comparison. Read the book of John with this in mind. It's some beautiful imagery. 
throughout this, the two uses of the word water and what water does, the two properties of water. The properties, the waters are all the same, but they're, they cleanse. They cleanse either through utter destruction or they cleanse through gentle washing. If you do not have the gentle washing of the pool of Siloam, taking Jesus' disgrace upon you and heading to the water, just like the man at the temple that had the mud from Jesus' spit put on his eyes, and then he went and washed it off in the pool of Siloam, and he could see. So we, if we bathe in the blood and water of Jesus Christ, symbolized by baptism, when we embrace that, then we are washed clean, and the floodwaters of Assyria cannot touch us. That's the beauty of all of this. And it also points to what the gospel does in the homes. If what sin does in the home is turns the wife into an object to be used, devoured, spat away, and destroyed, the gospel does the opposite, which is what Ephesians 5 is all about. Submitting one to another in the fear of the Lord. Wives to your own husbands as the church submits to Christ. Christ, uh, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. It's a whole new way of looking at everything. But that's another subject for another day. Thank you for listening. Have a glorious day.